Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the subject of worship. And I want to thank Adam for sharing his thoughts with us and an interesting topic for us to consider. We spend time every Sunday in a time of worship, and we're going to ask some questions about that today. And Pastor John, thanks for joining me up here for this dialogue. Thank you. You know, it's been um, almost 90 days since you joined our team here at Calvary which makes this the perfect time for some thoughts that I have on your 90-day performance evaluation. And uh, so if we can um, just, if you'll excuse us real quick, I've just got about 33 things to, to go through real 33, quick here. 33 great things? 33, 30, oh, okay. 33 things. things. And um, things. yeah, okay. yeah. We, we uh, my favorite Pastor John memory so far in the last couple of weeks, or you know, what's all that is a few months, but was the Sunday that I scared you in the middle of worship I mean, he was he was leading worship. He was in the he was in the zone. I could see angels coming and going from him. You know, it was this kind of not really, but you know what I mean. Sorry, just kidding. If that's but um, it's all happening, and I co- I come up behind him because I felt like like there was something that God wanted us to do, sing the song again, and he was he was just leading, and I come up and I came up. What, what did I like tap? Yeah, he tapped me on the, this shoulder, but he was standing right here. So I turned around. I'm like. And I, I look, looked up, I'm like, God, was that you? And then I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah. So the next time I tap you and you wonder, God, is that you? Just so you know, yeah. the answer's yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, back to the performance evaluation. The answer, yeah, the answer's... We're going to talk about worship today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Um, the Psalms are full of ideas about worship, why we worship, how we worship, um, where this, uh, this idea of worshiping God comes from. But we're going to look specifically today at Psalm 95. It is a call to worship that we see in the Old Testament. And uh, we'll look at this and kind of unpack it as we go through it this morning. Psalm 95. Let's look at the first two verses together. It says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. This passage of scripture is a call to worship. It's interesting what you see here. This is an invitation to worship. It was most likely written by a priest in the Old Testament, probably in Jerusalem, calling people to come to the temple for a time of worship. And so they were being invited to come to something that was critically important to them. And we like to be invited. The reality is every invitation is not the same, is it? Any of you ever got junk mail? When you get these things that are big on the envelope, it says you are invited, and then you open it up, and you're like, you're not inviting me, you're inviting my wallet. But the reality is there are other invitations that you get, and you say, boy, I want that. I want to be a part of that. That's what this was. It was an invitation to come and worship. Yeah, also it's a time of celebration. We're taking time and telling God, hey, you're amazing. We love you. You're awesome. And we take time to do that every Sunday in our services. And if we do, maybe the best question for us to ask is why? Why do we do this? And so today we wanna talk about three reasons why we worship. Three reasons why when we come together it's so important, when we spend this time it's so critical. Three reasons why we worship. And we'll look at them from this passage of scripture in Psalm 95. Here's the, the first reason. The first reason why we worship, 
Number one, we worship because of who God is. We worship because of who God is. It's important for us to understand someone, to know who they are, to kind of get a feel for them if we're really gonna get to know them. The other day I, I had the, the opportunity to perform a funeral and uh, I do that, you know, fairly often and, and I went to the funeral home and when you get there, usually the funeral home director will call you in the room if you're performing this, the service and say, hey, can we talk over the details and what's the service gonna look like and how do we do all this? And, and the, the funeral home director looks at me and she goes, how would you like me to introduce you? Well, I'd never had that question before. And I thought, His Highness? <laughs> I was trying to think, like, what do you mean? How do you want me to, you know, I'm like, well, just, you know, Chad Gilligan works just fine. That'll be, that'll be, I've been using that for a long time. Let's just go with Chad Gilligan. Let's just do that. But it was interesting because there's this idea that you need to know who someone is. In this psalm, a call to worship, there's an introduction of who God is. Look at what the psalmist writes. Psalm 95, verse 3. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Some interesting things that we see there about who God is. The first is we see that he is God of all creation. He is God of all creation. The pictures there are, are powerful. It says that in his hand, are the depths of the earth, as low as you can go. The reality is, just personally, I, I don't like to be in any water over my neck. I'm good right here, this is my, this is my comfort zone right here, maybe may here, but this is it. But God, he's in those very deepest places of the earth, the bottoms of the ocean, and it says he literally has them in his hands. But don't just talk about the lows, talk about the highs. Those mountain peaks, I mean, we're reminded of that the danger of some of those places as there's been, there's been deaths of mountain climbers in the last couple weeks. Have you seen this? Because these places are so extreme. And it says God has them in his hands. It says that he made the sea, that his hands formed the dry land. It helps us to get a picture of who he really is. And here's how it strikes me. One is this, it reminds me that he created everything. He, he's the source of everything. He created you, but he created the mountain peaks. He knows those lowest places. And not just that, not just did he create them, but that image that they're, they're in his hand, that he's so much greater than anything else. I remember uh, back in the 80s and the 90s, there was a restaurant in Terre Haute, Indiana that was owned by Larry Bird, the basketball player. Does anybody remember Larry Bird? He owned a, a restaurant and a hotel there called Larry Bird's Boston Connection. Had anybody ever been there? I mean, it's just like, like I had some people like really excited in the last service, and I'm not sure why, but they were like really like, yeah. You know, I remember going there as a kid, and, and you would go there, and when you would go in and sit down in the restaurant, there'd be placemats. Does anybody remember placemats? Do you remember those? And the placemat that was there would have an, an, an outline of Larry Bird's hand on the placemat. So then you could take your hand and you could put it there and you could see how your hand would size up to Larry's because Larry had some pretty big paws. He had, he had big hands. And I can remember going, putting my hand right there on the placemat, being like, wow, wow, his hand's so big. That's what this passage says. It says God's hands are so big. They're so much bigger than yours. He has all of creation in his hands. All of your life, he's got it. He's the creator of everything. 
Not only that, but it goes on to say that he's the God above all gods. He's not just the creator of all things, he is the God above all gods. Why is that important that that's mentioned here? It's important because in this time when scripture was being written, the number one challenge that the nation of Israel had throughout the Old Testament was that they would walk away from the one true God of Israel and they would begin to worship other gods. They would see the gods of this nation and the gods of that nation and they would begin to chase down these false idols and begin to worship them. And God needed to remind them, look, it's me. I'm the one true God. I'm the God above all other gods. And the reality is that that still is a challenge that we face today. He is the one true God. Because the thing was that those other gods were false and they were dead and they could not help them. Now what's interesting is when we think about idolatry, at least for me, I often think about like just, just crazy pagan practices or people who have no knowledge or people who just begin to worship these, these weird looking things. The reality was that in the Old Testament, they didn't just worship idols because they were trying to be bad. They worshiped idols because they wanted insurance. Think about this, if you're a farmer in Israel in biblical times, what's the number one thing you need in your life? You need rain. And if you don't have rain, you don't have crops, and if you don't have crops, you can't eat, and if you can't eat, you can't live. So nothing happens without rain. And so where did rain come from? They didn't have irrigation systems. They didn't have any way to do that. You would have to pray. And you would have to say, God, bring the rain. They were completely relying on God to meet their needs. But what if he wasn't doing it? That nation over there had a rain God that they prayed to. That one over there has a rain God that they prayed to. You know what? Maybe we'll just buy a little insurance. We'll keep praying to our God. But maybe we'll pray to that one and that one too. Because if this one lets us down, then I can always fall back on those gods. Idolatry isn't just so much that you worship a God that's not real. Sometimes it's that you don't rely on God to meet your needs. Let's say a guy asks a young lady to prom, and she says, yes, I'll go with you. And then he says to himself, maybe she won't, so I'll ask a backup date to prom. How does that go over? How do you feel if you're prom date 2.0? Not so good. It's how God feels. When you say, God, I trust you, but I got a couple of backups over here too. The reality is idolatry isn't just worshiping things that aren't God. Idolatry is also relying on things other than God and saying, God, I trust you, but. And when I worship, it helps me to put my focus and attention on the fact that he is the one true God. He's the one I rely on. Now watch this. He's the creator of everything, so he's, he's greater than all else. He made everything. He's the one true God. So that also shows me this, that he's God of my salvation. He's not just God over all creation or above all gods. He's God of my salvation. Because it said in, in those first couple of verses we read that he is the rock of my salvation, meaning this, that if I will build my life on him, if I will find in him my, my stability, if I will put my faith in him, then I have a foundation on which I can build my life in every season and in every time. See, the God of all creation, it's all in his hands. The God above all other gods, he's the greatest of them all. He also personally knows me, and he invites me to make Make his strength, his power, the foundation of my life. And when I worship him, it allows me to bring my heart back to a place that I'm reminded of that. So the first reason why we worship, we worship him because of who God is. Yeah, we also worship because of who we are. 
Let's go back to Psalm 95, uh, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I want to unpack those two sentences. Let's focus on, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. You know, if you look up the definition of worship as a verb, it says to show reverence and adoration for. I want to emphasize that, show. You know, worship is our heartfelt response to who God is. It's not a church service. It's not songs. Those are all things we use to worship God. But worship is showing him how amazing he is, thanking him for who he is, showing him we love him. You know, there's this quote I heard a few years ago um, by Bill Johnson at Bethel Church that I just loved. It's so simple, so powerful. You always become like whatever you worship. I challenge you to think about that today. What, are, what or who are you allowing to get in the way of living a, a lifestyle worshiping him? Who are, who are you putting first in your life or what are you putting first in your life that's not him? You know, worship is choosing him above anything else. One of my favorite verses is uh, John 4, 23 to 24. You know, Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. It says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. This is the best part right here. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So why we worship? Jesus said so. Pretty much simple as that. You know, he just wants your full attention. He wants your heart. He wants you to come into his presence and experience him in worship. And that should be our posture of worship, is just saying, saying, God, I'm turning off everything else in my life, putting all my focus, all my heart on you. Let's go back to Psalm 95, verse six. So, oh, come let us worship and bow down. So now, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We need to have that humility and daily bow down before him and say, God, you're God and I'm not. I'm not gonna keep trying to play God. And you know, um, <clears throat> my wife and I, we have two kids, Oliver's three. And uh, Eliza just turned one. When Oliver was about a, a year old, Emily got pregnant again, not with Eliza. Um, she actually had a miscarriage, and it was a really terrible season for us, just to be honest. It was emotionally, spiritually challenging for both of us. You know, all those questions pop in your head of why, you know, are we gonna be able to have another kid? You know, all those fears. And, you know, I found this song on YouTube <clears throat> called Dance Again by life worship. And some of you probably need to listen to this song right now. So, so write that down. It's called Dance Again by Life Worship. And you know, this song said everything she and I needed to hear during that season, but also needed to declare. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, sing, I'm not gonna sing it, sorry. I'm gonna say some of these words. So um, it says, praise him when your heart is breaking. When your strength is almost gone, how hard is that? Come on. Sing out your song and praise him in the fire and the fury, in the dark night of your soul, because your God is in control. The chorus is, your tears will dry, your heart will mend, your scars will heal, and you will dance again. So we would just worship together with that song and declare that our hope is in him, that he was faithful. And even Oliver, he was about... Um, 14 months at the time. No other song would come on that he would do this, but every time we played that song, his hands, was, he would just lift them up. 
and worship with us. It was unbelievable. And I really believe that God was doing something in him in that time that we can't even fathom or really understand. Um, you know, we believed God was faithful and, you know, we did end up having Eliza. She just turned one and, you know, um, I think that's also worship is telling God, I know you're faithful, especially in the seasons where we maybe can't see him or feel him. You know, worship is also submitting to his plans over ours. Um, in the summer of last year, we lived out in California. Um, we knew and felt God was moving us out of California. You know, we had so many confirmations and, you know, the only place that made sense to go was Nashville. I was a touring musician for many years and also a worship pastor and, you know, I had tons of connections out in Nashville, tons of friends that just moved out there. Um, my wife has a kid's clothing business called Trendy Bubs, shameless plug. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't plan to do that. Um, and her business partner was out there. Like, on paper, it made sense. That was the place we should go. So we told everyone we were going there, you know. Everyone was supportive for the most part. Um, but in December, God told me, you need to rest. You need a season of rest before you go. And I'm kind of one of those people that just keeps going, 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 and I don't stop. Um, so he said, come to Ohio, stay with your in-laws, and rest. And I was like, you sure about that? <laughs> My in-laws are great. My mother-in-law is sitting right there, so, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but Ohio, we're from Michigan originally. Don't boo. It's the last time people booed. And... Um, you know, I'm like, well, why, why can't we just go to Nashville? And I just kept getting all these confirmations, just rest. So we did, we came here in January. You know, I drove down to Nashville, uh, made trips and just had meetings and stuff. And honestly, things were going great. There was, you know, tons of connections coming into place. Things were falling all into place, but um, it just didn't feel right. You know, I told Emily one day, I'm like, maybe we just need to rest more, you know, just hang out more, you know, and chill. This is the first time in our life we've gotten to do that, so take advantage of it. So then one Sunday, we came here with my in-laws, and I just felt the presence of God in this place that I hadn't felt in a very long time. You know, I just, throughout the whole service, you know, I, it was weird. I could picture myself on this stage, and I didn't even know they were looking for a worship pastor, nor was I really looking to be one at the time. <laughs> and uh, so I remember, you know, we, Emily and I got in the car, was driving away, and I was like, hey, there's something about that place. You know, it's just so amazing, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm supposed to be called back into, you know, ministry again or whatever, you know, and I didn't know this, but um, my in-laws were actually meeting with Pastor Chad in the Connection Center and, you know, ended up finding out they were looking for someone and we connected and fast forward, now I'm sitting here talking to you. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think, um, again, worship submitting to his plans versus yours. You know, if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have been able to see how great of plans he had that were so much better than mine. I mean, I'm still in awe of that. Hey, I want to take a moment and uh, worship with an old song. I'm going to invite Joel to come up. Some of you are like, old song, thank Jesus. He's going to sing an old song. Um, it's not that old. It's like 16 years. Um, yeah, this song is called Here I Am to Worship. It's one of my favorite songs. They're just great words to just speak 
daily in your life. If you want to sing them, that's cool too. But um, we're going to actually just sing together, if that's okay. We're going to put the lyrics on the screen. encourage you to just lift out your hands with me. We're just going to sing these simple, awesome words. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Just declare this. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Sing it one more time. And here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Yeah, you know, you can just let that song be the posture of your heart, you know? It's a great reminder of why we do what we do on Sunday morning, especially in corporate worship time. You are so much holier than I am. Do I get a raise? What's that? Do I get a raise? raise. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't plan on saying that. 33 things. We got 33 (laughs) things to talk about. But here's the deal. Okay, so I I was at this event this week that was for pastors from Assemblies of God churches all over Ohio. So what was cool for me to be at that event, I don't have any responsibilities. I'm not in charge of anything. I just sit there as a part of, I'm just, it's, it's just me sitting in church, right? So the cool part is if something goes wrong, I don't have to worry about it. I just laugh at the people who have to deal with it. That's just kind of how that works, right? So I'm sitting there, and I was reminded of some of the challenges that come sometimes in the midst of worship. So here's one of the struggles that I have sometimes is I'll come into a worship setting, and we'll be singing a song, and I'll, and I'll like the song, or I'll be watching the, the musicians, or I'll be listening to things, and I'm singing, but my heart's not really into it. What do I do? Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with that as well, even as a worship leader. And I think the first thing to do is check your heart, you know? Ask God to remind you of what we're doing remove all the distractions in your life, you know, ask him to just help you focus on him. You know, another great thing to uh, remember um, is it's not karaoke. Yeah, it's good. You know, we have the words on the screen. We're asking you to sing along and clap your hands and all that fun stuff, but we're singing to declare, to again, to show him reverence and adoration. And another thing is, you know, if you're not excited to be in here, if you need to maybe channel some excitement that you had maybe at the sports game last night or, or that you're going to this afternoon or a concert or whatever, or maybe how excited you were to drop your kids off at kids' yeah. church, you know, channel that and then realize, hey, I'm worshiping the one true God right now, and I get to. It's a privilege and an honor to. I get to worship him freely in this place. You know, that's a biblical idea, really. You know, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I mean, even the psalmist had to say, all right, I'm gonna worship God with all that I have. So I come in, right, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. I'm ready to go. I'm, 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 I'm watching my heart. I'm gonna worship, and I'm ready. And then we start singing, and I go, oh, I don't like that song. 
or I'm like, I'm like, does their voice really sound like that? Is that what they sound like? Like, what do I do in, in that moment? Well, you hired me. You're... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 33 things. Yeah. So. Can't change that so, now. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, well, our goal up here is not to entertain you. Sorry. Mm. It's not a performance. Um, our goal up here is to invite you into a worship atmosphere. You know, and song choice, it's not about your preference. I mean, we can debate to the end of time music, music you know, and, um, and it's really not about the song or the singer. You know, if you've got to look past the voice... And again, realize that it's not the voice or American Idol. We're not judging the vocalist up here. Um, look at their heart. Look at that they're worshiping God. And if you got to maybe have a little time of envying that and just say to God, hey, I want to be like that right now with you and connect like they're connecting with you. The other thing is look past the song, you know, and remember who it's about. It's not about you. It's not about us up here. It's about him. Declare that. And you know what, I want to take a second and actually um, give a shout out to our Calvary creative team. So that's the team that puts all of this on in here. Every single weekend, all the music, lights, video, sound. Can we just give them a round of applause? They work so hard every single week. You know, Ben, Joel, and Clayton, and then all of our volunteers, they just do such an amazing job, and um, they just love, love doing it, too. Any other questions? I'll let you know. Okay. Can we go back into this? Okay. <laughs> cool. So we'll go back to uh, Psalm 95, verse 7. It says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. So we worship not only because he's our God, but because we're his children. We're his sheep. He watches over us. He shepherds us. He never forsakes us, even the moments when we feel like he's not there. You know, another one of my favorite worship songs is uh, One Thing Remains. You know, that chorus, so simple. Again, your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. You know, use these type of songs as personal prayers throughout the week, if, especially if you can't find the words to say Find the songs that, oh man, that's what I want to say to God. And you can just sing that or even speak that to him. You know, that song got me through so many seasons. And, you know, especially if you're in a season of trials and storms, you know, God's there. But he might just be waiting for you to turn back to him and say, hey God, sorry, I know you're God, I'm not. Can you take care of this? You know, I'm going to turn this over to you. You know, pretty much my life verse is Matthew 6, 34. I just love this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, again, just giving that to him. You know, um, another great song we sing is Good, Good Father. You know, when you don't feel loved, maybe by your spouse or your kids or your family members or whatever, you know, sing that song. Remind yourself, he's a good, good father. He always loves you. He's perfect in all of his ways. We worship, number one, because of who God is. Number two, because of who we are. Let me give you a, a last thing, a third thing, why we worship. Number three, we worship because of who we want to be. We worship because of who we want to be. What's interesting about this passage, Psalm 95, 
is the psalmist invites us to worship, right? He says, come and worship, sing and shout and, and come and bow down and worship for we are his people and he is our God. There's all that there. And then all of a sudden you get to verse seven and it's like, he just takes this turn. And it's like he totally shifts gears, almost like the two don't belong together until you realize how powerfully they do. Look at verse seven, Psalm 95 verse seven. It says, today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now understand what he's talking about here. Remember, this is, this is a call for the people of Israel to come into worship. And now he changes things on them and begins to talk to them about their history. And he says, remember what happened in Moses' day? In Moses' day, when the people had no water at a place called Meribah, and they began to complain against God, there was something that happened there that you need to consider. And what's interesting is he's showing what happens when you stop worshiping. And as worshipers, it helps us to become who we want to be. Let me show you what he highlights here. First, we want to hear his voice. We want to hear God's voice. We want to know what he's speaking to us. And the only way that we can hear his voice is if we will find times to stop and listen to him. Isn't that true? Worship allows us to do that. A friend of mine who, who pastors a church was, was telling me about a guy who, who visited his church. He'd never really been to church at all in his life. And this guy came to church, and during a time of worship, he was watching, and he was checking everything out, and he went up to my friend, who's the pastor afterwards, and he said, why is God so insecure? My friend was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we sing these songs where we tell him, you're so great, you're so great, you're so great. Why is he so insecure that he has to hear from us over and over again how great he is? If he's so great, doesn't he know it? Isn't that an interesting perspective? Look, when we worship, we're not doing it just to build up God's self-esteem. He knows he's great, whether you tell him he is or not. The reason we tell him he's great is not because he needs to hear it, it's usually because we need to hear it. It's the truth, and when we hold on to that truth, it changes us, and when we open up our hearts to hear from him, by letting him know that we recognize who he is in our lives, what happens is then we're open to hear his voice. For some of us, the reason we struggle sometimes to find God's will or to know what direction we're supposed to go is because we haven't stopped to listen to him and we can't hear him until we acknowledge him for who he really is. So when I worship, it slows me down enough to hear what God wants to speak to my heart. So that has to happen in church on a Sunday. But it's also helpful on your way to work on a Sunday. If you work on a Sunday or a Monday, you and I on a way to work on a Sunday. But on your way to work, amen, amen. It just was just gone. Do you want to take over or should I pick it back up? You got this. Okay, all I, right. be I believe in you. Look, we worship him because when we do, it allows us to hear his voice. But it also helps us, and this is critical, watch this. We worship him because we want to soften our hearts. 
We worship him because we want to soften our hearts. What happened to the people of Israel? This is the story that the psalmist tells us here. In Moses' day, their heart was being hardened. Why? Because when they didn't get what they wanted, they began to complain, they began to grumble. If you want to read about this story, they had no water. And so they began to complain and say, God, where's the water? And God brings it through a miracle, but not until after the people had made a real spectacle out of themselves. It says this in in Exodus chapter 17. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Doesn't sound like worship, does it? God, are you here or not? Where are you? Are you real? Look, they'd seen so much from him, right? They saw him part the Red Sea. They saw him do all the, 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 the miracles with the plagues to even get them out of Egypt. And then after all that's done, they still don't trust him. They still don't believe in him because they had allowed themselves to come to a place where their hearts were hardened. And what happens is we often allow our circumstances to do that to us. We let our circumstances control our worship. Well, I don't feel like worshiping because I had a bad week. I don't feel like worshiping because I I got in an accident yesterday. I don't feel like worshiping because there's things happening that that I really can't control. I don't feel like worshiping because it's a holiday weekend. I don't feel like worshiping. I just don't want to. And we let our circumstances control our worship, and we forget that our worship reminds us who's in control of our circumstances. And we have to allow ourselves to be in that place. If we don't, over time, that lack of worship hardens our heart, because we keep pushing God further and further away because we fail to acknowledge who he really is. So then when we see sin, when temptation comes our way, our heart becomes hardened to that, and we're more likely to run in a direction that's dangerous than we are to run into the arms of the one who loves us. It lets lets our attitudes become toxic because our heart becomes hardened to what the Spirit might be speaking to us. Look, life isn't always fair. Things don't always go the way that we want them to. And even in the midst of those times, especially in the midst of those times, we need to worship. Worship reminds me of what really, truly matters. And when I worship, it softens my heart. Why is it so important to hear his voice? Why is it so important to have your heart in a place that's not hardened? One last thing here. Why do I worship? I worship, we worship because we want to receive his rest. We want to receive his rest. As soon as I said rest, some of you jumped right to the nap you're gonna take this afternoon. Some of you are in the midst of it right now. Actually, I can can see you. What is that idea of rest? Well, in scripture, it's this. The Old Testament uses the word rest. That's why, to speak about God's blessing for his people. He led them out of captivity in Egypt. If you remember the story, for hundreds of years, they're slaves in Egypt. And then God miraculously brings them out of Egypt. He delivers them. They're on their way to the promised land, the place where he has assured them they will find rest. That's what the promise is all about. You'll find rest there. Rest from war with your enemies. You'll find rest there from your problems. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. I will give you rest, he says. But they stop listening to his voice. They start hardening their hearts, and when they do, God says, because of that, because of the way you've rebelled against me, I can no longer give you my rest. Now, this is a big deal, because here's what you need to see about the people of Israel. They had been set free. 
They had been delivered. God had proven himself over and over and over again to them. He wanted to lead them into his rest, and instead, in the midst of their deliverance, they start complaining, and they never find rest, which reminds me of some of you, because you've experienced God's deliverance. You've experienced his salvation, and you're still miserable. Some of you are saved. You just haven't told your face. And, and the deal is this. If God delivers you, he doesn't deliver you so that you can just spend your time in the wilderness. He delivers you so you can know his rest. And some of us, we get caught in, in wondering. We wonder, is God fair? Is God right? Does he love me? Does he care? You know what will deal with your wondering? Your worship. And when you worship him, You don't have to ask, is God with us or not? Because you're reminded that he is. And here's your choice. You can either worship or you can wander. Because that's what the children of Israel did. They stopped worshiping. They hardened their hearts. And God finally said, all right, if you don't want my promises, that's fine. But then you're just going to wander in the midst of this. Understand this. There's a difference between being delivered and living in rest. What's the difference? According to Psalm 95, it's worship. That when you posture your heart in a way, when you put yourself in a place to say, God, I recognize who you are, even in the midst of the tough seasons of life, you can hear his voice, he'll soften your heart, and you can find yourself in a place where you will find his rest. But it's up to you. You have to choose. Do you want to be a wanderer, or do you want to be a worshiper? told you that I was at this uh, I was at this event this weekend or this earlier this weekend it was it was good to be there because I wasn't a pastor at this thing I was just I was just some guy and it was it was good to be there and to be in church and we were in this service and it was kind of in a time of prayer and worship and in the midst of that have you ever ever known those times where you begin to put your focus on God and God begins to show you some things in your life that you don't like so much I could feel the Holy Spirit beginning to show me some, some attitudes in my life that just to be quite honest, weren't, weren't healthy. <gasps> You're shocked, I know. <laughs> but it happens. It's like, you know what, Chad, that's not, it's not really good in your life. Which led me to think about some thoughts that I've allowed to take up some pretty valuable real estate in my brain. And things that I keep coming back to instead of entrusting those things to God. You know what I'm talking about? And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about my attitudes and about my thoughts. And when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, it's not always the most comfortable thing, is it? <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's actually a little painful. But the reason it's painful is because if you don't address it, it's going to be destructive. And so you have to see, I need to deal with this thing. And so in the midst of this, while, while I was there, as the Holy Spirit's kind of speaking to my heart about these things, we begin to worship And this powerful thing happened to me earlier this week. As as, as I began to worship the Lord, it wasn't like a vision. I didn't like like hear a voice or or like like see anything. But I I had this sense in my spirit that as I began to talk to God about these things, really as I as I listened to his voice, 
as I worshiped him for who he was and recognized his great love for me, I felt like I had this sense like that there was this, that there was this something that was around my heart, like this, this shell that had built around it in these areas that had hardened around my heart. And as I worshiped and praised him, I literally felt like it was, like it was wax that was melting off. Does that make sense? Like I could feel that as I worship, whatever was that hardness or that shell was beginning to just kind of slip off my, my newly softened heart. And I'm so thankful for that because it happened in worship. Worship is a powerful thing. Why do we worship? Because of who God is. Because we are his people. But because when I worship, it puts me in the place I want to be to hear his voice, to let him soften my heart. And then I can know his promise, then I can know his strength, then I can know his peace. As I worship, that's when I find his rest. So you know what would be a great thing for us to do right now? To worship. Would you stand with me? Before we sing, before we do anything else, I just wanna encourage you right where you are, Would you begin to worship him? Maybe you're comfortable to lift your hands. I'm gonna encourage you to begin to lift your voice. Just begin to thank him. Whether you're in here in Auditorium 1 or you're in Auditorium 2, maybe you're watching this on a screen somewhere, would you just begin to thank the Lord? Thank him for his forgiveness. God, we praise you for your grace. God, we thank you for your love for us. Your mercy, not that we've deserved, but because of your loving kindness, you give it to us. Lord, we thank you that you are our provider. Lord, we praise you that you are our healer. God, reminded that you are the creator. There's no heights or depths that are beyond you. Right now, would you just begin to lift your voice? Just begin to thank him from your own heart. Just begin to worship him. God, we worship you. Lord, we enthrone you on our praises. We give you glory, Lord. We magnify your name. We praise you, God. We give you worship. Thank you, Lord.
about that song is it's got a it's got a really catchy line there doesn't it being throned upon the praises of a thousand generations there's like a cadence there that just you, uh, trust me you'll hear it later today right up here but here's the thing it's not just catchy it's not just a cute little phrase it's biblical listen to this Psalm 105 verse 8 speaking of God it says he remembers his covenant forever the promise he made for a thousand generations. Now, why this is so important is because for some of us, we're going into something this week, circumstances that, will, that we will allow to control our worship. 
when instead we need to worship the one who's in control of our circumstances. And he made you a promise. He promised that his word is true for a thousand generations. So when we sing that, do you know what we're saying? We're saying, God, in my worship, I entrust every part of my life. I entrust my circumstances. I entrust my challenges. I entrust these opportunities that are so good I don't know what to do with. I entrust my sorrow that's so deep I don't know how I'm going to make it. I entrust it to you. You know why? Because you are always faithful. You are always faithful. And when we worship him, we remember that. So Pastor John, can we sing that again? And I I would encourage you that if you are in that place, would you entrust that circumstance? Worship the one who is always faithful. Right now, just begin to give him the highest praises. God, we praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Father, as we worship you, we ask that you'd help us to hear your voice. Lord, that you'd soften our hearts. And Lord, so many of us need your rest. We're gonna walk out these doors and we're gonna walk into circumstances that will try to control our worship. Or may we turn that around and worship the one who's in control of our circumstances. And Lord, as a result, may we know your peace. May we know your strength. May we have your wisdom. May we know your guidance. Lord, we ask that you would give us, as we worship you, your rest. And Lord, our prayer is that our worship doesn't stop now, but this is just the beginning of a week filled with worship to you. As we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Lord, would you send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.